0: Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Piercy with you and boy oh boy for episode 396. It gives me great pleasure to introduce my brother from another mother. He is one of the funniest men on the planet. He is also a oh. chiropractic guru, naturopath extraordinaire, Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, brother.
2: Uh, hello, Piersy. It's wonderful to be joined with you today and with by Jean. It's, uh, it's very, very exciting. I, um, I've never been called that funny before. In fact, the last joke I told the crowd went absolutely mild, so uh, I, I'll definitely say that I'm not, uh, not going to be having people at raptures today but we will have a great great episode today. I I tell you
0: I say that you are one of the funniest men on the planet as a segue uh, with great um, we are very honoured today to have one of the funniest and at a time like this humour could not be any more important. We are honoured to have one of the funniest women in Australia if not the known universe on 100 Not Out today for a serious conversation but I don't think we will talk about it so seriously because with Jean Kitson you all always just feel so much better having a conversation with her. jean if you don't know if you've been hiding under a rock over the last 2 or 3 decades jean kitson well she's an author she's a public speaker she's an actor She is one of the best comedians she's a script writer for stage television theatre and radio many of our 100 not out community will have seen jean on the big gig on the abc uh, she's been featured on Good News Week, The Glass House, The Einstein Factor. I've seen Jean on The Project. She's a regular on Channel 9. She was on Kerry ann Kennelly's show, Channel 7's The Morning. <laughs> she's been on ABC. She's pretty much been on every single that media platform all over the country. She's because like Eddie She's like everywhere.
1: trying really hard.
0: And now we are saving the best you. to last. She's joining the 100 Not Out platform for the very first time because Jean has written An incredible book called We Need to Talk About Mum and Dad. This follows the raging success of You're Still Hot To Me. Best-selling author, all-round hilarious individual, Gene Kitson. Welcome to 100 Not Out.
1: Thank you so much, Marcus. Thank you, Damien. Oh my God, what a build-up! And now I, now I feel like I should do something funny. I don't know what. Maybe just hold up my funny. Oh, it's upside down.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs>
1: another side gag. You
2: know.
0: Oh dear.
1: I could fall off. My- I,
2: uh, I feel like Gene's finally made it. Like with that whole list of everything, then to finally arrive at a hundred not out. It's like you know. It's kind of like eventually getting to joe rogan but uh it's you know in our sense but so congratulations gene it is great to have you here this is definitely a constipated ex- um a constipated episode it took a long time to get this one out uh, but uh here we are and <laughs> we're gonna have a lot to of that fun.
1: analogy it's you know. gonna be great i'm a naturopath
2: i'm a naturopath yeah. we talk poo all the time so um, and these are one of the tough conversations, I suppose, you know, that we could be having with our parents. How's it going, Mum? How's it going, Daddy? You're still backing one out. Is that what we're talking about today? Are we, is that where we're
1: heading? Everything. Everything. We talk <laughs> Everything. about every end, every orifice. Give us a look in your ears, your eyes. It's Everything. about keeping an eye Helping your parents have the best end of life possible, and that means understanding all that. It's understanding, like, you know, like, yeah, their bowels. You don't want compacted bowels if we're going to talk about constipation. You don't want anything like that. But apparently, hospital under hospital beds, there's just a million of those little pink coloxal tablets because they get because when you're in hospital, it just happened to my dad recently. You get your coloxal whether you want it or not. You know, every nurse is afraid of. Compacted bowels because you can't actually be discharged unless you've had a movement. <laughs> so you get just get given. And and, uh, and Dad's been in hospital a few times, and all he hears with the vacuum cleaner is as the cleaner comes in, click 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 click. <laughs> as all the, in the ward, all the colossal tablets get vacuumed up. So yeah, it's a big part of ageing from any age, I think.
0: Right. It does. It doesn't take us long, Gene, to to bring Poo into the conversation, but I'm sure. Or it didn't start at poo for you when you decided to write we need to talk about mum and dad it is a very graphic book but it's very funny and it's got some very serious elements to it as well and Damien did uh did create the analogy that it has been uh, a period of constipation to get you on the line because you have had challenges with your dad in particular over the last maybe eight weeks since we've been um, wanting to get this interview up and running. Can you take us into the, I suppose, the background, the story as to what prompted you to write the book? Because it seems like we need to talk about mum and dad, I'm imagining, probably came with challenges you were having with your mum and dad at that phase of their life.
1: Yes, absolutely. The spine of the book is my journey with my parents, like trying to help them age well. That's the whole spine of the book. And then I was I had written the book about menopause, You're Still Hot To Me, The Joys of Menopause. And and I've been talking about menopause and talking to a lot of women my age and and then I realized that we all had something in common. We were not only had kids still at school. Still living at home, still at school. We were still working full time, but we all were going through. We were all had aging parents, and we were all. And it was, and it wasn't the HSC year twelve or the hot flushes that gave us the sleepless nights. It was actually trying to do the right thing by our aging parents because it was so. It was just so hard to navigate. You know, it was so hard to find out what you needed to know, and every time you sort of got one one problem sort it out another problem rose its head and by the time you got that sorted out there was another one and often you know you're on the back foot and and anyway my publisher said did you want you know do you want to write a another book and I said yeah I want to write one about aging she said oh no you know books on aging don't sell and I said well actually it's not about me aging it's about our parents aging and and then um she sort of did some asking around and said oh yeah maybe that that will be useful and then because we've got a million books on what to do when you have babies and children and how to bring up toddlers and that but the end of life is even more complex and even more critical because you feel like if you make a mistake you know suddenly a wound on you know something and maybe a skin cancer has been removed and that wound you haven't cared for it properly because you didn't actually understand what wounds do you know like I'm not going into graphic detail but there's a whole lot of things you have to stay you have to know and then even just getting the support you need like home care packages how to get access to government help and government subsidies how to you know how to make the decision of selling the family home like that's one thing we did I think we did too early I think we encourage mom and dad to move out of their home before they really had to we were just sort of panicking because they had stairs and a balcony that was just about to fall into their little pool and you know and they're good at a lot of things but riding an avalanche you know into the pool is not one of them (laughs) you know so uh, their house was falling apart and they're up the top of a hill and we thought dad was going to lose his license so but there's that none of this need be guesswork, and that's what I found out from talking to people who know and work in aged care in all the different sectors. There's ways of measuring when the help, the sort of help they need and when they need it. There's ways of measuring if they're coping, how their mental health lives, how their physical, you know. There's ways of doing that that is practical, you know. But one of the first things you have to do is get your whole family on board and i think that's my first chapter you know like getting talking to the family about it getting everyone on board and all these conversations about mum and dad have to have mum and dad at the center of the conversation you have to listen to them and what they want and reassure them that what you're trying to do is give them more control not less control
2: so many great points, and what a great way to open up this uh, this chat, Gene. So thank you. Um, I think about this all the time. My parents are young, right? So um, I'm forty-six. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure I've still got another four weeks to How go, go and then I'm forty-seven. It's uh,
1: amazing.
2: So well, I've, I've got, never I've so, said that.
1: Oh,
2: How good does he look, Gene? How good does he, he look? Say all the right and it wasn't even that wasn't even a joke. Everybody, how's that? Um, and so my mom's 68, turning 69, my dad's 68, turning 69, and I think at what point are they old? Because Marcus and I travel to Greece and Ikaria. We go to Ikaria and we go overseas and we hang out with these really old people, like 95, 100 years old. And like they, they're probably old. Um, and then we were, we celebrated um, Shona, Shona's birthday in 2016. We celebrated her 76th birthday. And here we are singing happy birthday and dancing around like clowns. And, uh, and the oldies come over to us and go, what are you celebrating? We said, so we're celebrating show to 76 and they all walk away in disgust because it's way too young right and so i think when do you pull the trigger like at what point do you pull the trigger to have these tough chats because you know stuff's going to start happening but you don't know when it's going to happen so when is it too early is it too late at some point what do you reckon
1: well it's really it depends what part of age care you're talking about. If you're talking about an advanced directive, like at the end of life, don't leave that too long. Get that in early when you still do feel young. You know, like I'm 65. I could be your mother. Maybe. <laughs> and, you know, like but you my, and I've still got kids at home. How good does Jean
0: look? How and, good does Jean I mean, 65, look?
2: 65, Jean? Is that true?
1: Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, on Friday I'll be 65 wow happy birthday Birthday. two days time anyway but i realized going back over my notes i started worrying about mom and dad uh 20 years ago when they were 75 and i was 45 and i thought oh they really they really need me to start worrying about them and now i'm 65 75 forget it that's way too young don't start worrying about (laughs) when they're 75 but really what um my book will do, hopefully do is people will get their own house in order so that we're not leaving it all up to the kids suddenly you know the kid the mum go you know mum or dad might go to hospital and you don't know where their medical records are you don't know what medications they're on you suddenly realize they've been on too many medications because you haven't kept up with it you don't know whether they've got a will or an advanced directive my mother-in-law when she had a heart attack she was living in a retirement village and a friend came along and saw her and rang the ambulance but she actually had an advanced care directive saying she didn't want to be resuscitated but she had it with the accountant and we we'd never talked about the advanced care directive with her so she was resuscitated she had heart surgery and things like that and then ended up dying a couple of weeks later so in the scheme of when I said to her you know what did it feel like to have a heart attack she said well I just got out of bed and I thought oh I can't feel my arms and then that was it you know that's all she remembered but then but she was resuscitated. Can I just
2: follow up that yeah. question, Marcus? I think yeah. that's really a great thing because her um, directive was to not be resuscitated. You didn't know. She gets resuscitated. Um, I think to myself, oh, thank God she got resuscitated. That's awesome. But did she crack it that she was resuscitated? Was somebody meant to die and they wanted to die and then they are kept alive and it was all accidental? Do they regret having the advanced directive saying, just let me go?
1: She was she wasn't she was quite cross about it but on the other hand what happened was the entire family is alerted to the fact that she's not well. And so everyone was there with her all the time, day after day. She had an incredible amount of love and we could express things to her, not thinking she was going to die, I might add, but the fact that often that happens when people aren't well. The family rallies and then they get well and everyone disappears again, you know, like in their own lives. So um, my husband, whose mother it was, he said on the good side they were all everyone was around her and with her and I mean we saw her every weekend anyway but it just had a different sense of you know you could express how valuable people are in your life and how much you love them you can do all that and if they suddenly die then that so that's more about the family than the person Mm -hmm. but you know but at the same time um yeah so she I think she went through a lot of um, and unnecessary procedures, and yeah. she would have been better off without them, actually.
0: Um, mm. yeah, this is where it, it gets, uh, for want a better term, curly, it's complicated. And, and I, there's a couple of things in this that I'd love to raise, Jean. One is when I read the book, I had no concept of how detailed this phase of life is. Uh, your book. We need to talk about mum and dad. You go through all the paperwork, all the legal documents, becoming the nominee, how the decision making process works, advanced care directives, which you and Damien have just been talking about, protecting the family jewels, the understanding the physical side of aging, knowing when the wrong and right times are, when to consider moving the parents and and, and the rest of it, which again we've we've spoken about. But Summer and a few other people in here I think are um uh, resistance is not the right word, but the the very real and i 'm a hopeless romantic, and I live a very cushy life but uh, you know Robin Wright said, I wish this book was around when I went through this with my dad. it stressed me to the max, and I think that 's a really real response and i 'm sure robin 's not the first person that 's told you that gene, but what about summer 's concern is um some parents this is a quote from the quotes here some parents absolutely refuse to take those steps and are essentially denying that their body and lives are degenerating and they have to make changes my nan was like that and my mum is the same and i want to extend this you know question out to what about when Your parents might be resistant, but also your siblings might be resistant. Like you know in your heart of hearts, this is the right time to not only read this book, but knuckle down and take the important steps. But you're the only one on board with that. How do you navigate what I feel like is that's the first big complicating step is getting everyone on board. How do you, I know you could say, just read the book. But how would you for people right now going, I want to do this, but it's hard. Like where do you go there?
1: Well, there's sort of two elements to this. Like, that is so important. The resistance of parents is so common, and I've got it with my own. My mum's right today, because I I know you said this was a constipating process, me getting on your thing. Mum actually had a growth on her arm that the woman who bathes her found and she at this was two o'clock today you know an hour and a half away was the only time she goes to the doctor but luckily my eldest daughter and my youngest daughter but they took time off work and they've gone and taken mum to the hospital or to the doctor to have a look at what is most certainly some sort of skin cancer so she'll get it off but she's in the waiting room my daughter's texting mum want one to look at it, she's really mad that someone, you know, you have to constantly reassure your parents that they. this gives them more control over this part of their lives it gives them more comfort a better quality of life and much they think what's going to happen is everyone's going to take over that's why the conversation it has to start with a conversation and this conversation can go on for a year you gather as many as your family together as possible you try to talk about what the future might look like you make you, you make it you write down all the points everyone's points you write down my number one tip is get a very big notebook you write down what everyone says particularly parents you write down what they want you then you resolve to meet again in another week's time and do or a month's time and do it all again and if this happens too often you just have to hire an MMA referee or a court judge or something actually there are mediators but at the moment I'm doing a lot of work with local councils now these local councils are a resource that I I didn't really understand so much about when I was writing my book but people in local councils have read my book and got on to me and they said we've got all these resources for our community we've got people who are you know social workers and community nurses and things and people don't know how to access so um, next week for example with the Sutherland Shire down in you know in Sydney I'm doing a 2 day um uh, sort of webinar thing with their community, with these baby boomers who are trying to look after their parents, and they and the case study is about resistance. It's all about what happens when your parents resist making the changes they really need because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. They're afraid that they will lose control. They're afraid that um they. And we don't want to do, you know, like you're talking about going to Ikaria and, you know, I've seen those wonderful things you talk about in their lives in the blue zones. You don't want to take people away. You, they, our elders think they're going to be locked up. They think we're going to put them in a home or sell everything and make them give up all their knick-knacks. <laughs> and try doing that to me you know, and their um, memorabilia.
0: We're going to take yeah. your books away, Jean. We're going to take yes. your books
2: away.
1: We're going to rip all the books
2: off the bookshelf.
1: Exactly, exactly. exactly. Come and
2: help your husband. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I'm um, – so my, my grandfather – was an incredible man and he was very independent and he died in march of last year um about 10 days before he turned 100 and my family found it very difficult to have these conversations with him um as a grandchild i was like come on papa just get into the home and you'll be looked after and everything will be great when you come and visit you and it'll be good and you'll be safe and blah blah blah." my aunties and uncles and my mum all found it very very difficult um and i suspect that they left the conversation too late. Um, and so my feeling is that as, you know, someone who's 47 and 46, I said 46, uh, which is true. <laughs> I am 46. Uh, as for, at 46 and mum's 68, 26 to nine, Dad's 68, 26 to nine. Um, I should have a conversation with them now so that if something happens in the next few years, we're aware of it. Right. Because I reckon, a, like a generation ago you kind of expected that people might die at 65 or 70 now you kind of expect people might die at 85 or 80 um, and then maybe you know I'm expecting I'm gonna live to a hundred maybe 110 um, and my son Jackson's is probably going to day kid kick the bucket right so I'm like this so I'm thinking we've got to have these conversations at various points so I'm thinking maybe I'll have a conversation sooner and I'm, I'm looking at what Peter's writing and what Jody's writing and the, and what Ren, Wendy's writing and it appears to me that the the sooner you have the conversation to get it on the table, um, the better, so that you can review it later on, and then you can refine it if they last that period of time, and then, um, and then you can run it again as they last the next, you know, five or ten years, whatever you, your set points are. But that would appear to me to be a good thing. The other thing I think that might be good, having read your book, would be that every family member gets a copy. Uh, what do you reckon about that, Gene? Yeah, think I love.
1: Worst, yeah, please, please do.
2: Yeah, an extended family, I think, too. So it could be up to 60 people. But I think that um, that would be handy because then you're all literally on the same page.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly, because you do – it's very – Although it's complex, it is very practical. And the earlier you have these conversations, like even with Palliative Care Australia, they suggest you have conversations about end of life when you do your. You normalize it. Do it when you're doing your car rego and everything. Start young, so you're not feeling like people are saying, "Well, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna fall off the twig next week could be, <laughs> or maybe next month." So let's have this conversation now. <laughs> have it early. Talk about where you see yourself self-living, all those important things. But also, um, you know, the other thing is you have to have it early because as soon as if if one of your parents loses capacity if they start getting dementia and they are diagnosed with dementia they are no longer able to make they are no longer able to say what they want mm. it's no longer oh. legal because oh. they haven't got capacity so oh. you must make those decisions while you have capacity wow. so make the will make that make everyone you know and our responsibility as older people is to make sure we don't leave a bomb in the wheel where you leave someone out because they haven't spoken to you for you know two years or so you just make sure everyone knows more or less what's going on you don't leave financial planners say the most heartbreaking the most difficult part of their jobs is when the client dies and the financial mess that it can be left in so get all you've got to get yourself organized you've got to see a financial planner for later life you know suggest that to your parents make because that will make sure they might even be eligible for like even one dollar of the pension and then like 49 subsidies and concessions are open to them from, from, you know, the pharmaceutical benefits and the the energy and the transport. And so you get someone who can look at your whole situation and make sure, the main thing is to make sure that you understand that your care costs will be met, you know. And because I've got this whole section on families, just talking about families, you've got the CEO, the one who actually gets things done and does everything and then you've got the walkie-talkie family member I always thought I was a CEO but I realize I'm I do the walking and the talking and the yelling at Aldi about what do you mean you haven't got you haven't got to my parents yet I thought you were, the nurse was coming today you know everyone can hear and my sister who works in disabilities she's like calm and and, you know, I'm always trying to change things. She's going, don't rock the boat. And then you got the FIFO, the family member who lives interstate and flies in and goes, what's happening with mom and dad? Bangs all the drums, blows all the whistles. You know, like my brother arrived and made dad pack up his entire tool shed and took it to the tip and then went back to melbourne again like you know like so you've got family members and then you've got the bad siblings, voldemort who no one talks about you know and you just don't tell them anything (laughs) but one of the best things you can do is get all your family members on a message like a group message text and just keep everyone in the loop so mm. everyone's included. You don't have to always meet, which is hard now, especially interstate and things. But yeah, just keep every the group texting. Wasn't it great to see Mum and Dad on Sunday? Do you think Dad's okay? Did you see when he put the plates under the griller? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> do you think that? So you can have your own like catch ups. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going into but- you're going into the funny place now, Gene. We're starting to get the giggles. We're starting to get the <laughs> giggles. Um. Oh,
1: yeah. Well. There's a lot of funny things that happen. There's a lot of tragedy, funny. You know, when I first started writing the book, the people that came and talked to me, they just told me these awful stories about what they'd experienced, and like, like someone who said earlier on the message about, uh, you know, their parent who died years ago, and and a lot of there was so much grief and remorse, and I thought, how am I going to get any jokes in this book? It's all so <laughs> terrible. um, But then the Royal Commission started and and the Royal Commission was the vehicle. that gave voice to all the people who have suffered and who who felt that their parents were um, badly done by the abuse, the neglect, the, you know, all that. So that suddenly was given a voice. So I didn't feel like I had to include those, all of those stories. I've got a few in there because they're pertinent about what to look out for. But, yeah, so then I was able to concentrate more on humour.
0: Well, I love that, um, you know, (laughs) without – I don't know if it's because I've got three young boys that are always – Cracking jokes about poo and wee, but you describe the body in hilarious ways in that book, uh, particularly the sex hormones of older people as they get older. And you going, do we have to discuss the sex lives of our parents, or can we look away now? And then you you yeah, go into <laughs> you go into I'll deep go detail, oh, no, sure and then you go
1: fingers in ears, <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just beware if you uh, know, get just... into that conversation with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and when I go and stay there, I'm on the fold-out couch in the lounge room in the small retirement unit, and I don't know what those noises are, really. <laughs> I, have... <laughs> I, now take... I put the telly on quite loud, you know. Uh... My earphone's
2: in. I don't want to know. Can't they like, wait to go
1: home or something? I have to knock on the toilet.
2: Quiet in there. Maybe, it's, th- <laughs> maybe you stay, it's because you stayed on Thursday instead of Friday. If so you had to just change your date. it might have been better, Jean. Pick the wrong oh. day of the month.
1: Oh, dear. I know. Oh, something dear. like that. I know. I know. My mum once talked about, you know, sex. We, when I was writing the menopause book and she was talking about the sex, Sex life, saying, you know, oh, you know, that went. My sister had said she looked really well, and she had thought to herself, that's because I've been having sex all week. <laughs> and then my dad piped up and he said it was the same sex, it just took all week. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's the fingers in the ears, like, ah, uh, you okay. That's something we have never want to know right from when we were kids. Oh,
0: that so. is just too funny. It's too funny. Well, there are a lot of stories in the book that made me laugh, and I'm sure for our viewers and listeners that – buy the book we need to talk about mum and dad you will be laughing as well but also you'll receive great clarity on what it takes to help your parents have the best final chapter uh that that they could wish for and gene we thank you so much and we congratulate you on creating what is a masterpiece for uh our times and uh we're so grateful to you for for putting this book together and for joining us in 100 not out today
1: Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate all your words of support. It means means a lot to me. I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thank no, you. no worries and thank at all. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. You know, and if anyone wants to send me any questions, and you got the questions, but if anyone wants to ask me something, just give them my email address.
0: Well, if you're okay. happy to stay on for five minutes after this recording, because our Facebook listeners have got okay. a few questions in here, we might we might um, take those questions live on Facebook. Um, and if you're not listening on Facebook or watching on Facebook, we're at one hundred not out. Just spell it all out on on Facebook. Uh, but Gene, I think it's important people know where they get the book. It's obviously at all good bookstores. You can go to Gene's website, genekitson dot com dot Oh, don't go uh,
1: to my website. It's gorgeous. You can- Buy it on there.
0: No, yes, you can. I'm it? there right now. Can you go to jeankitson.com.au? Click on books, and there it is. I click the little Amazon link or the Booktopia
2: link. Oh. Your publicists have go done there, it all for go you, there. Jean.
0: Because
2: Gene makes more money that way, so that's he's better.
0: Dimmicks, iTunes, Pan Macmillan Australia—it's all there. Don't worry, Gene. Someone's been building your website oh. without your knowledge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like my website, to <laughs> Don't worry,
0: there's nude there's nude photos. There's nude photos of you there, Jean. There's nude photos on your homepage. Yep. And there's what, with
1: buttons.
0: Nah, nude, N U D E. Oh nude. Yep. There's a couple of old oh, yeah, ones. Right. Yep. And uh, you were you with some orange telephones. Um It's it's great. So
1: uh, I just keep getting told off of about my and in fact, I got a bill on my credit card from something called Squarespace. And I thought, this has got to be fraud. I have no idea what that is. And I didn't pay them. And then my w- website disappeared. <laughs> 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 I have no idea. They we're responsible. That's I don't the even best. Oh,
0: yeah. uh, well, on that note, I on that, that
1: note. <laughs>
0: Drew no. Kitson, you're an angel. Thanks for joining us on 100 Not Out. And to you, Damo, thanks again for your wisdom, great man, as always.
2: It's great. It was great. What a great interview. Thank you.
0: No worries. Uh, Make sure you go to Damo's website, damiankristoff.com, to find out the latest on Damo. Myself, marcuspierce.com.au. Thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. Joseph Tomo, our editor. Cielo, who looks after all the social media. To you, our loyal 100 Not Out community, thank you for your support. We are inching closer to 400 episodes not out. Cannot wait for it in a month or so. Until next time, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life.
2: Bye for now.